Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,252. Today, we are going to have some fun, and we're talking about the upcoming Mecham Auctions in Las Vegas. It takes place January 24th and 25th, where they're going to be selling some very special motorcycles that belong to a very special celebrity guest. Be prepared to be inspired and get your bidder card out. It's going to be fun. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Franklin, Tennessee with a very special guest, and you'll know this guy's name, Mike Wolf. Mike, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? <laughs> I'm ready to drop the clutch on this thing. Posse there you go. and digging in right now. <laughs> All right, leave some stripes, as they say. Well, before I give you a proper introduction, as if you need one, but we're going to talk about a very cool collection that you've decided to let go at a Mecham auction. I always ask my guests this question, and this might be interesting given your popularity and notoriety and 14 years on television. What's one little thing that people may not know about Mike Wolf? Hmm... That's, I can't cook. <laughs> you can't? What? <laughs> I can't cook. No. I'm actually, I just made my daughter mac and cheese. She's in the other room, and that was like a big deal for me. <laughs> I remember it wasn't so long ago when I was like really nervous, and I was reading the directions on the box, and I was re- I was nervous about doing it. I don't know why, but I, I can't cook anything. Well, you know, <laughs> so, that's okay. Uh, you're good at a lot of other stuff, but, uh, you know, maybe, uh, <laughs> Thank maybe, you. maybe that's something for your future. Future, you know, for, to learn, exactly, how, to, learn yeah. how to be a chef. I could dabble, dabble in it. There's a lot of good YouTube uh, videos out there about how to cook. So there you go. Well, let me give you a proper introduction here. We're going to talk about something very fun. Mike Wolf has earned a reputation as one of the country's foremost foragers of American history. The creator and star of History Channel's American Pickers has made a life finding the beauty of forgotten objects and places preserving them for the rest of us who love to collect. Mike's here to share his passion along with his as-found collection that he's consigned to the 32nd annual Mecham Las Vegas Motorcycle Auction that takes place January 24th through the 28th. This collection contains more than 70 two-wheels icons from Mike's private collection, providing motorcycle enthusiasts with this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to add these hallowed machines to their collections. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. So give them a little love. They put the petrol in the tanks here at Cars Yeah, and we'll be right back. Okay. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 
224-9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Cars yeah has teamed up with TechForce Foundation, one of our charities of choice, to help young people who love cars, problem solving, and working with their hands pursue careers as professional technicians. From auto, collision, and restoration techs to motorcycle boats, race cars, and aviation, TechForce covers the gamut of technician opportunities. Technical education and the skills trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn how you can help to power the technical workforce at techforce.org today. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Mike, uh, you know, there's a point in time where we all decide to let go of some things. I just recently sold a car that I'd had for many years. People couldn't believe that I let it go. But there's always a time for that. So this as-found collection that you're going to be selling through Meekum, what was the uh, impetus to say, okay, time to clear out a little space in the barn? Oh, man, that's a really good question and one I've been asked um, quite a bit uh, recently. And it seems like every time I'm asked it, there's a little bit more that comes out in regards to like my thoughts and feelings on, on the subject. You know, I just got to the point where, you know, I'm knocking on 60 now. I just turned 58. Congratulations. And Happy a birthday. lot of my mentors, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> a lot of my mentors recently uh, within the last few years have passed. You know, guys like John Parham and Jim Long and Dale Waxler and just people that really meant a lot to me in my life, not just as uh, fellow collectors, you know, we shared that passion, but like just people I really respected in life. And so I just kind of started taking notice, you know, how they lived their lives and with their collections and what they felt was sacred and, and what wasn't and the direction that they um put their energy into. So, you know, if you look at my collection, especially the stuff that I'm letting go, it's all over the place. You know, it's anywhere from a, a, a Honda CB750 to an early Yale. Wow. It was almost kind of like a shotgun effect to the, the whole thing. And I was buying almost, you know, anything I could get my hands on and things that I found and, and met through really amazing journeys and people and stuff. And so, with that said, that shotgun effect, I'm just wanting to kind of like hone in on like what truly makes me happy, what truly interests me, what I like to research, and then the connective stories between, you know, American history and bikes. So, you know, I've always been more just enthralled with and interested in pre-1920 motorcycles and their connection with the bicycle industry and even the aviation industry and a lot of different ones. And so, with that said, looking at the warehouse that I have that I've been very blessed to um, to have and all these bikes is such a blessing. I'm like, one of the reasons I started doing what I do for a living so long ago is because I really got excited about bringing stuff to the hobby, 
like finding something, unearthing it, and bringing it back into life to where someone else can enjoy it. I, I love that aspect of it. I mean, the thrill was always there. And then there was a payoff at the end of like just seeing someone embrace it. Like, you know, like, oh my God, there's a blue one. I, I have the green and I have the red, but I never thought I would find the blue. The addiction. So I was the guy that was like excited about finding the blue for them. Yeah. So that's how I feel about these bikes. I mean, there's so many bikes that this is never going to get to in regards to like, you know, ride them or uh, preserve them in a, in a way that, that I could uh, enjoy them more. I mean, it just got to the point where it's like, you know, what am I doing with this stuff? And what, what do I ne- want the next 20 years of my life to be like? That's really the focus on it. And so, um, you know, in this show being in the f- its 14th year and for what I've done over the last 35 years of my life, I've always met people. I guess I don't want to say anything like you know, towards the end of their lives. You know, I don't want to get too dark, but, you know, people that just had a beautiful, fulfilling life and they're like, you know, it's just time for me. And so, you know, even even then, everything wasn't for sale. It was just certain pieces that they felt they wanted to pass on while they were still alive. You know, I have a 10 year old little girl now. Awesome. I'm spending more time with her. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I, this is a portion of my collection. You know, it's not a lot of people have like, oh, I can't believe you're selling your whole motorcycle collection. <laughs> no, no, no. And I'm like, that's never that's never going to happen. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a couple things you touch on here. One is having children. Uh, having a 10 year old at this point in your life is a little bit rare because typically people have kids earlier in life. But you've yeah. been so busy. But that, <laughs> you know, a 10 year old, uh, you're in for some some really interesting times in a few years here uh, when the teenage oh, years hit. But so if you need, know, any, need any help with that, just give me a call because my wife got <laughs> me through that with my daughter. My daughter's now 34 and has a little boy and has oh a, another baby coming. So exciting times for us. But talking about collections Beautiful. and what you touched on here, I, I think what we've all been through in the last few years, especially with COVID, is a readjustment of importance in our lives and what we value and how we're going to spend our time. And if there's anything positive that came out of COVID, and I've learned a lot of great things from my guests, that's one of them. So I love the fact that you're combining this passion you have for in unearthing things for people into sharing this collection with people. And, you know, that's what you've been all about. So in a way, this is normal (laughs) sharing. It is. is. And and to be honest with you, if you would have asked me if I was going to sell these bikes, you know, five or 10 years ago, I would have said, absolutely not. There's no reason to, you know, but you're right. There was a certain amount of reflection during the past few years and a lot of different things that changed in my life. And I was like, you know, what am I, what am I doing here? You know, like right now I've got five properties that I'm restoring. Oh my gosh. You know, and so I've thrown, <laughs> I've thrown myself into that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. I, I've always restored properties, but it was always like one at a time. Sure. You know, so now I have five and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's, I don't know, it's earth shattering in a way, you know, and trying to find contractors and make the right decisions. And, and, um, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I'm one of those guys that always has a lot of balls in the air. And I'm also like, you know, it's hard to get me focused on things, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm always somewhere else in my mind. And I think a lot of collectors are, I mean, we're collectors in some ways because we love to romanticize so much. And when you romanticize about a, a car and a time period or where you found it or how that car makes you feel when you're driving it, you know, you're, you're taking yourself away from the moment. Oh yeah. And my daughter the other day, she grabbed my face and she said, daddy, 
focus. Be with me in the moment. <laughs> be with me. Be, be with me in this moment right now. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I was like, wow, okay. okay yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of, I guess the, the, uh, the thread of, of me releasing this stuff. It's like, I want to be more in the moment. I want to like right now I'm standing in, I have nine motorcycles in my house. <laughs> and so I'm looking in I'm one room here. I've got a Greyhound, which is the only bike that has been found um, of this model. And then I've got a Monarch. That's a single that's original paint that was made in a Wego, New York. That was, that's the only one of those that's been found. There's been a twin that has an original paint tank, but this is the only single. It's got the original grips and the original nickel on the handlebars, and it, it keeps me um, keeps me grounded and inspired, and um, and and feeling blessed, I guess, in so many ways to be surrounded by this stuff, even in even in my bedroom or my living room or my den or my, <laughs> the foyer of my house. You know, I mean, why am I not everywhere. surprised, Mike? Why am I not surprised? <laughs> well, you know, from the lips of babes come true things and uh, be be in this moment, daddy, you know, be with me right now. That, what a wonderful thing to share and a wonderful thing for her to say to you to uh, kind of snap you back into uh, what's most important. And, you know, it, it's a great transition to my next question. And that has to do with what I call our driving inspirations or mentors. You mentioned some great names that we've lost in years uh, past in the motorcycle world is is there somebody when you go back in your life and think about your obsession with motorcycles and old things that was really an influential person in your life that you look back and go, man, I'm glad I met that person. I mean, you know, Dale Waxler was a force. And when he spoke, I mean, he held court, you know, I mean, he really did. He, uh, people would listen and, and he was such a great storyteller. And what was great about Dale and Wheels Through Time Museum in Maggie Valley, North Carolina is, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a bike or a car or whatever, you know, it is you're collecting, but you know, then it's like creating that scene around it, like that diorama around it of like celebrating the moment of not just the bike, but things that connect to it from that time period. And so Dale was just, Dale could have been an, an, an art director in the Hollywood movies. You know, he really could. If you go into his museum, the hill climb display and the early teens garage where the motorcycles are worked on. And then you go back to this like chopper display where they're all together. And then you go into a 50s garage and then you go to the very back of the building and you're looking at like, you know, early board track racers. You know, he did just just amazing job. And that's difficult to do. It really, really is. I mean, I feel like I um, have some of that in me, but not to the point that he did. I mean, his museum is by far, um, to me, the best museum because not just of the collection, but the way he's displayed it, you know, and he's really nailed it. And that's why, you know, that's why, you know, we all collect, you know, if you're a car guy, you want gas pumps, you want, you know, globes, you know, want oil cans, you know, you want signage, you want all this stuff. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I've been on, um, picks before the show and even during the show of people that have created these spaces behind their house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where it's like, okay, here's a 1915 service garage. I got my model, (laughs) I got my model T in here, my model a in here and all, you know, I've I've just got all these early cars, you know, uh, Pope's and Crawford's and, and all this rare stuff, you know, they, they, they build this stuff out to, um, to take them somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. You know, or even when even when they're not in it, they, they they actually sometimes position it in a way where you can look out your window of your house and see it. Nice. 
You know what I mean? So you're, so you're in it in your mind and then you're in it physically. That's what you've done over the years for us who love your show is you've taken us to these different places that we would all love to find. I mean, everybody loves a treasure hunt and that's what you do every day. So for all of us who love things, no matter what they are, oil cans to motorcycles to cars or globes or whatever, I mean, we sit there and watch your show and go, oh my gosh, oh, I've been looking for one of those. I want one of those. And then, <laughs> and then you know, for the most part, you don't, you know, I kind of look at you a little bit like, do uh, you know Harold LeMay at the LeMay Museum out here? To no, I don't. Well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a, a reference here. Harold LeMay at one point had the largest collections of cars on the planet. Guinness Book of World Records. The guy was a trash collector, but I don't think he threw anything away to collect. <laughs> he, he kept everything and he would travel across the country and collect cars. And so I look at you in a way as like a mini Harold who then created two huge museums for people to go and he shared all this stuff with people. Um, so uh, yeah, you're like a, like a little mini Harold. Well, I, I thank you for that. I very much appreciate that. You know, when you're when I'm making the show, I'm in a bubble, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know, I've, I'm in and out of a lot of towns and or not even in I'm in a town, but I'm not in it. So basically, if I go somewhere to a small town, I don't really have the opportunity to walk around, check everything out. You know, we're focused. We get in, you know, we make the show. We're there for eight or nine hours and then we move on. So like people always ask me, oh, you were just in California or Oregon or Kansas. Where were you? And I'm like, <laughs> some little back road, know. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so hearing stuff like that, really, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome for me to hear something like that. You know, I mean, I pitched the show for five years and, uh, and no, never in my wildest dreams, I ever thought that it would ever reach this level. But I think, you know, for me, we're, we, we want to, we want to be told stories, you know, and, and, and especially if they connect to our past. And so, and even if they don't connect to our past, you know, there can be something again that we romanticize about a time period. So, you know, the show is reflective of people telling their stories and then me tagging in on that through the items that I find. I mean, I've, I've done amazing shows before on literally something I bought for $150. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's not really the value of things. And that's why it took me so long to, to, to sell the show with a production company because everybody's like value, value, value. And I'm like, no story, story, story. And even to the beginning of the show, if you watch some of the early stuff, we're just basically constantly explaining what we're doing. And it's really more explaining um, the art of the deal, like the negotiation, you know, you guys, we, the transactional <laughs> television. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, you've had, you know, road show, which is a format that came over from Europe and it was artifactual television. And so what we created was artifactual transactional television. It's like, okay, let's, let's learn about this piece. Let's, let's um, move through that together. And then at the end, it's like, okay, what do you want for it? And that was hard for people to see. I mean, and when we first started airing, people were like, I can't believe, you know, this person wanted $125 and you offered him $75. So, so insulting, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay, this is, this is business. Right. It's American business. It's, it's worldwide business. Have you ever gone to a garage sale and said, Hey, you got 20 bucks on this. Would you take 10? Sure. You know, I mean, it's, the, the, when I, when, the way I grew up through the ranks of this stuff is like, if you didn't negotiate with people, um, they, you had, they didn't respect you. Right. You know, I mean, and, and, and we, and we love the negotiation. I mean, that's a big part of it. I picked Italy. Oh God. In 2001 and the Italians at the flea markets, I'm not kidding you. I was in a flea market in Milan 
antique motorcycle meet and they bring you into their booth. You, you, you have a glass of wine. You might have something to eat <laughs> yeah. while you're talking about, wow. you know, what you want to pay for it. Yeah. Everything is so much faster pace here. Yep. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's different cultures, but I guess the, the common thread is the, the value of the negotiation. Well, I'll tell you something, Mike, the way that you guys have always done that negotiation has been incredibly respectful. And I, I never looked at your show as you trying to take advantage of anybody. You were very transparent about, okay, well, I need to be able to make a little money on this. And you always explain that. And to me, it was very cordial, very honest, very, very transparent, as I said. So I, I appreciate what you've done. And I think you probably well, help people. You. you know, I think you help people who go out and try to buy things because I, I just got back from Mumbai, India, and you go shopping oh, wow. there. And if you don't negotiate, they just kind of look at you like, what a fool. <laughs> I mean, really? You, you're going to pay the first price? Seriously? I know, right? <laughs> I know, I know, and it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, it's 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 part of the dance of being human yeah. and being a collector. You know, and here's the deal: there's no deal that uh, unless both parties feel comfortable. All right, oh, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like you know, I feel comfortable, you feel comfortable, whoever it is. You know, at the end of the day. You know, that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning to negotiate with car guys now. I, I'm, I've never really been a car guy until like probably, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. Uh-huh. Like, I've, don't get me wrong. I've bought and sold cars over the years, but not like, you know, like now I think I have 15 cars. I've never could say, oh my say that in my life, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm kind of like, okay, well, I, I guess I'm a car guy now. You I know? guess so. And, um, yeah. You know, again, going back to my daughter, if her and I want to go somewhere, a lot of times she doesn't want to get in a sidecar bike. You know, she would rather get in a 58 Impala and be in the back seat with her friends and the dog and everybody can go together. And, you know, it's much it's it's much more enjoyable that way. So I'm kind of transitioning, I think, a little bit more into a car guy. Well, good. Welcome to the club. I love it. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about some of these bikes, because you've got a lot of bikes that you're offering here and the variety is absolutely incredible. And I'll tell you, listeners, I'll put a link to the page at the Meekum auction. By the way, if you can't make it to Las Vegas, you can bid online. So don't feel like you have to be there. You can still buy these bikes. Um, let's talk about a couple bikes here because I, we don't okay. have enough time to talk about all, all of them, obviously. But let's I'm going to have you pick out maybe a few bikes that you're letting go and maybe share a short story about each of those bikes. So maybe let's start with one that you feel is the most unique. Oh, my gosh. The most unique would probably be the, um, the Super X. And uh, it's green. It's original paint. And the front of it has sort of art deco uh fairing on it like a metal sculpture above the front wheel i found that bike in a barn in maryland and um unfortunately the family didn't know the story behind it but the bike has lots of like little secret compartments all over it there's one above the chain guard yeah there's one next to the fender and the guy skirted the fenders i mean the, the 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 man that that created this this uh, version of this bike is, was an incredible artist. Um, so we finally got the front of it. Um, it was locked and we, we got it loose and we opened it up and it, and it held a large battery. So he was running something. There was some sort of power source 
maybe at some time, maybe sometime the bike had a sidecar attached to it. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's just such a unique, really, really cool bike. And, and, you know, super X at that time and Excelsior, you know, that that's a really was always a kind of engaging story for me just because, you know, Ignatius Schwinn, um, bought the company, in, I think 1911. So, you know, and then it's Chicago based and I'm, I'm in from that area. And so that really always kind of rang true with me with the Excelsior stuff. So that's a really interesting bike. That's you know, a, if you look at that one online. 1928, is that the right? Yeah, it's a 28 or 29. I can't remember. Um, it's green. And there's like this, this like this very art deco sculptural fairing on the, above the front fender. Cool. It's very, very unique. Yeah, very cool. So let's talk about a bike in this collection that brings back an insane memory about the find and what excited you so much about the find about finding that particular bike. Well, there's a there's a there's a Power Plus Indian in there uh, okay. that has a that has the original paint still on it, and it says USM on the side of the tank, United States Military. And obviously, those were the bikes that Indian had built for the military in World War One. Um, but that bike was found in probably one of the, the biggest, most amazing piles in Illinois, probably, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. There was a pile that was found that was all super early stuff. I'm talking like early racing and flying Merkel parts and pieces. And this bike was in there. And so, you know, as a, as a young picker, I was like, oh my gosh, that is like the biggest, <laughs> most amazing thing that's ever been found. To fi- just to find that much stuff in one space and from that time period, you know, pre-1915, pre-1920. And so I, I, I just kind of watched that bike over the years go through a couple different hands. And then it ended up with a friend of mine that was a collector in California. And I ended up trading him something for it, I think. And that was on the show years ago. So that's a that was a really very very unique bike within itself just because of its condition. You know, they made Power Pluses have really come along price wise because um, I think there's for one there's a lot going on when you look at the bike in regards to the mechanics of it, and two um, people are just starting to appreciate that time period more. Before you know, with Indian, everybody wanted uh, you know anything from a, a three to a maybe a 12 or, you know, 13, maybe, you know, so it's just, it's just the time period that's really come along price wise. And it's a very unique bike. I've never seen another one that has USM on the tank like that. Wow. So that would be, would you consider that one of the more rare bikes in this collection? Um, yeah, just because of of its overall condition, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the condition of that bike. If you think about everything that, that happened in the world around that bike, and then for it to be in that condition, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, even just to survive the scrap drive, Oh, sure. you know, World yeah. War II, you know, so much of that just disappeared. So, um, you know, I, I was just always blessed to have that. But again, see, now I, I have another Power Plus that's original pain. It's not a military one, but it's another one that's really unique to me. And that's why I kept it, you know. So a lot of this stuff, I mean, I've really thought through what I was turning loose. It wasn't just like, Hey, you know, I'm dumping this stuff. Mm-hmm. There was no need for that. I've been very blessed with the show and, and my life and what's happening with that. But there were very thoughtful, thoughtful moments of like, okay, why, why am I letting this one go? I mean, each one of these bikes has that. <laughs> yeah. Has a story behind it for sure. There's a, a bike in here that's kind of cool and kind of appeals to me because 
I like European sports cars and I'm into race cars and vintage race cars. There's a 62 Harley KR racer. Yeah. Kind of neat. Uh, I like the yellow tank and so forth. Tell me a little bit about that one. So that bike is basically as raced. I bought that from a family in Indiana. Um, and, uh, they had it for obviously a number of years. It was a relative of theirs. And they told me if somebody wanted to do the research on it and I'm sorry, I, 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 uh, kind of let the drop the ball in regards to the individual's name right now, but, um, it was a, it was a state champion bike for the state of Indiana. Wow. That's what they told me. And so, you know, that's a bike that, um, actually, to be honest with you, Dale at wheels through time, he kind of schooled me on those and kind of got me interested in that time period and stuff. And, you know, then obviously Roger Riemann, the national champion, you know, from that time period, I was connected with that because I was at his auction and, you know, I have some pieces from his collection. And then he was also the, uh, the mechanic for evil can evil throughout his whole career. Oh, no kidding. That was something that, he, yeah, that was <laughs> something that he also raced. He raced KRs. And so, you know, KRs are, uh, really have come up in value a lot too. And they're, they're, they're a bike that you can get into something that's that Harley built to race from a pretty cool time period that probably a lot of us can relate to because we lived, we lived it. You know, I was born in 64. Yeah. I don't remember those bikes on the track, obviously, but you know, from, I still would consider them from my time period, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that would look good here in my office. Mm, There you go. I have to get my bitter card out. (laughs) And one of the older bikes that you're letting go here is a 1915 Indian. Beautiful looking bike. Oh, that was a, that was a restoration that, an older gentleman had started on that bike years and years ago. And, um, you know, it was like one of those shade tree mechanic restorations where he had painted the cylinder silver and oh, a lot man. of the stuff that would have been nickel, a lot of stuff that would have been nickel on the bike painted it silver. But he did it. I mean, he did a great job with the skills that he had, you know, mm-hmm. and so he never finished the bike. And so uh, that came out of the state of Illinois as well. And that guy was an old, old picker. I mean, I remember him from an antique mall. Uh, years prior that I had set up in, um, you know, where I first started, when I first started, I had a little glass case and I was just selling smalls out of the small. That bike came from, from his collection. Well, the amazing history that is in this collection for you listeners is just, it goes on and on. And as you can tell, we could talk for hours about it, but I'm going to be your car psychologist. I do this with all my guests. It's a little fun trip here. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. I got a little diploma on the wall. I made it myself, so it's not really that official. But (laughs) at any rate, if you were reincarnated as one of these bikes you're letting go, and this is, it's not the bike you like. It's more how you perceive the man in the mirror, who you are as a guy. And it sounds like at this point in your life, you're in a little bit of a transition. So that might make this more interesting. But which of these bikes would be Mike Wolf or which would you be? <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is probably one of the, the most interesting question I've ever had. Well, good. In interview, especially awesome. Especially with motorcycles. Or I love it. I love it. Man, I would, I would have to. Okay. So just off the top of yeah. my head. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a, there's a pan head chopper in there. Okay. You know, it's not the most valuable bike in there, but, um, it was built in a time that I find extremely interesting with what was going on in this country and with music and culture in the sixties and how a lot of these guys that were riding choppers were, I guess, in some ways rebelling in from, from, um, 
you know, the institution of what we all knew this country was in some way or another politically and, and, you know, the summer of love and, you know, Woodstock and all those things that were happening. So many of those bikes were created by individuals that, you know, were just, they built them to ride. I mean, they all had a, they all had a unique look to them, but you know, the paint and the rake of the front end and the engine, obviously that they decided to use, you know, it was really, they were building a bike that was around a lifestyle. And I find that really fascinating. You know, I think that's kind of a, a part of the motorcycle um, era as far as collecting goes that hasn't really been celebrated in a lot of ways. Um, that bike would be me just because I've always, I guess, been a little bit rebellious. I've always been interested and, um, you know, music has been a big part of my life. And um, I feel like I'm unique in a lot of different ways that um, weren't celebrated because of some of the problems that I had when I was a kid, I wasn't the greatest student. And, and I was, I was a guy that roamed, I mean, since four years old, I was, why am I not surprised? (laughs) Yeah. I would walk to school. My mom put me in kindergarten when I was four. Wow. So we, and the school was only a block away, but I mean, I could never imagine my daughter uh, walking out the front door now and saying, okay, I'll see you at three. Right. No, different times. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) And so, you know, I dug in the garbage and stuff. And so I was always a little hobo and wanted to (laughs) travel. In fact, there was a number of times for Halloween when I was a little kid that I wanted, that I was a hobo. I would always. Oh, you wanted to dress up as a, yeah, hobo. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The big plastic fake cigar and the plastic hat. (laughs) The stick and the handkerchief with the stuff in it. Yeah. I already had the jeans with the patches on it. So that worked out perfectly. (laughs) Nice answer to that question. I, I appreciate you thinking that through. And that's a cool bike, yeah. by the way. So I like to ask guests if they enjoy reading and if there's maybe a book they might want to share with our listeners. Are you, you into reading books? And it doesn't have to be cars or bikes. It could be self-help. could be maybe a cookbook is in your future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm reading a book right now. And when I say reading a book, it takes me about six months to a year to read a book because I'll pick it up and, and then I'll put it back down. But Understood. it's called When Breath Becomes Air. And it was written by a gentleman that was a, that was a doctor and he treated a lot of cancer patients and, um, and then he ended up, uh, getting cancer himself. And so it's just from a perspective of a, of a doctor that was, you know, going through the journey with all of these people, but also his own journey and how that kind of intertwined with everything that he thought he knew and, 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 and really didn't know. It's called When Breath Becomes Air. Yeah, by Paul so, Kalanithi. Um, Ka- uh, interesting. Yes, last name. yes, yes. Kalanithi. Exactly. Yes. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that book because uh, I love new books and no one has mentioned that. And considering how, how many people I interview, there's a place on my website called Guest Recommended Books where there's over 2,500 books listed there. So this will be oh something gosh. new. Yeah, something new for people. Well, so you all, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah it's we'll been. Add, um, we'll add that. Yeah, whenever whenever I have a little bit of time, you know, in the mornings before my daughter gets up, or even before I start filming or anything, I'll I'll pick that up and I'll and I'll read four or five pages or maybe even a chapter if I have enough time. There you go. I'll get my hands on a copy. It keeps you. It's one of those books that keeps you centered. Yeah. Well, we all need that. That's for sure. So very nice. So I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate, I usually call it the ultimate drive. Now I know you're becoming more of a car guy, but let's stick to ride. I'm going to provide you with any motorcycle in the world. Maybe that holy grail bike that you've never found or you want to have. I'm going to park it in your driveway. You can take it for a ride and you can go anywhere in the world you'd like to go. I'm going to make that happen for you, Mike. What does the ultimate (laughs) ride look like for Mike Wolf? (laughs) 
I mean, for me, it could be a bike that I already own. It could be any bike on the planet. Now, if it, you already own it, okay. you're going to save me a few bucks. So I appreciate that. Well, <laughs> I've got a 36 knucklehead okay. that um, John Parham owned, and he sold me a, a couple years before he passed, and it was a really important bike to him. And so, um, and I understand the history of that bike and how it was built and painted and all this stuff. So I know it from the ground up. And um, I tell you what, I, I love exploring the South. Uh, I truly do. And so I spend a lot of time riding the Natchez Trace. But another thing that I have not done the whole thing is the Americana Music Triangle, which is Nashville, Memphis to New Orleans. And that small, tiny speck of real estate that changed the world. So when you look at any kind of music, rock and roll, blues, rockabilly, gospel, soul, country music, obviously, all of that music came, most of it, 90% of it came from that small triangle, Nashville, Memphis, and uh, New Orleans. So that also encompasses Clarksdale, Mississippi, you know, where Robert Johnson supposedly sold his soul to the devil on the crossroads. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, so you can actually, I've been going, going to this site, a friend of mine cr- created this site years ago, Americana Music uh, Triangle.org, and you can choose different drives that take you through small towns, and it'll get into why they're taking you to that small town. Like, hey, you want to stay at this hotel, you want to eat at this particular restaurant. It's fascinating. And I've done a few of the drives, and um, I've been really fortunate to, like, you know, have those moments and that experience. Like just coming down through, coming down from Memphis into Clarksdale, on a motorcycle and, and, the, and, you know, you know what I'm talking about with the yeah. golden hour yeah, oh, yeah. and the cotton fields as the you right come time. into that. Yeah. That's, yeah. And Morgan Freeman has a, uh, a blues club in Clarksdale on main street there, but it's very untouched. So a lot of these places that I'm talking about are untouched places there. There's tourism, but there's not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's, and those are the places that I find interesting. You know, like we went to Maine last year and we were in Bar Harbor, and it was Fourth of July, and I mean, you couldn't even walk on the sidewalk. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah, it, it was so so packed, you know. And so I was looking personally for a different experience, you know. But yeah. um, but I think throughout that triangle, you can find just about any experience. What a delightful ride! Wonderful. Well, try <clears> being <throat> in Mumbai for New Year's Eve, like I just was. <laughs> if you want to see I, a lot I can't of people, even imagine something like that. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I and you know, I, 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 I can't even. No, it, you can't won't. Imagine. You can't. I can't even describe it to people. It's undescribable. And uh, when you talk about bikes and scooters and motorcycles, Royal Enfields are all over the place in Mumbai, which is kind of cool. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, S- saw a lot of old ones. So, Mike, you have taken us on a wonderful journey today, and I can't thank you enough for sharing as you have over the last. 14, 15 years, your world of finding treasures and more importantly, sharing them with other people. This collection uh, at Mecham Auction listeners, you got to go check it out. I'll put links on Mike Shono's page. Of course, if you don't know about American Piggers, I don't know where you've been in this country for the last 15 years, but (laughs) wonderful, wonderful show that you brought us. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom or advice about life, collecting, whatever it might be that could leave us with some uh, thoughts of inspiration? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, to me, collecting has been a major part of my life. It's been something that, um, you know, that, that I draw passion from and, um, I feel very connected to in a lot of different ways. You know, I've never been a guy that, uh, has collected one thing (laughs) and, and and I've always been, and I've always been a sponge, you know, in regards to like 
why people love what they do. Like I could literally, if someone started talking to me about an oak chair from the 1890s and, you know, the way the, the, the arms are turned and the way it was joined together and then the, the pressed back design on it, you know, and the lattice work, that would get me so excited that I'd want to go out and find 10 or 15 of them. <laughs> so so yeah. I guess I've been very fortunate, I think, like probably a lot of your listeners that have um that have been able to transcend into these different worlds through these things sure. you know the cars cars are something that can that can do that for all of us you know whether it's the smell or the sound of the engine or you know obviously the design when you get into it and the design you're looking at it when you get out of it so i mean as po- as collectors we live different lives than most people do because we have different priorities and so I'm just glad that, you know, I'm talking to you because I know that a lot of the people that are going to listen to this are are like-minded people. They're all nodding their heads right now, Mike. That's for sure. So, yeah, these things take us places. They bring back wonderful memories. Um, and they're a really important part of Americana and the world, if you will, um, of things that are gone and uh, things that uh, aren't the same anymore. So I think that's why people like old things. How can people uh, keep following along with you with American Pickers? Um, we're on Wednesday nights now. Um, we've moved us back to Wednesday nights. We were on Saturdays most of the season and we're going to finish this 30, uh, that we've uh, committed to probably by March. And then we're going to start up again in April and do 40 episodes. Oh my gosh. So year. Yeah. That's, that's about the most I've ever done. We, there was one season that we did 45 episodes. So oh my gosh. that'll probably take me a couple of years to finish. And so I've just, again, you know, I'm only, I'm working you know, as a little as I can, I would do 10 days a month when I'm filming. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then the rest of the time I'm, I'm working on my preservation projects of some old gas stations and car dealerships and houses nice. and, you know, main streets have always been a passion of mine. So, you know, it just anything that uh, we have a blog on antiquearchaeology.com. Okay. That kind of gets into some of the stuff that we're doing outside of the show. So, yeah, I appreciate you asking that. Absolutely. And again, uh, listeners, you can go to the uh, Meekum.com auction, uh, Las Vegas coming up. You've got a chance to buy one of Mike's old bikes and uh, carry on the tradition of preserving and loving these old things in our lives that are... uh, Oh, so important. Mike, this was a wonderful talk. I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today. So good to spend this time with you. And I want to thank you for what you've done for all of us on your show over the years. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you for the opportunity and God bless. Well, thank you, Mike. This has been awesome. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.